Chris Friedman of Adult Side Broker. And welcome to Adult Side Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking with Ruin Willow of Oh Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow. At Adult Site Broker, we're proud to announce our latest project, thewaronporn.com. You'll find articles from industry websites, as well as mainstream publications from around the world. It's designed to raise awareness of our industry's plight in the war on porn and the numerous attacks on our industry and online free speech by hate groups, the religious right, and politicians. You'll find all that and more at thewaronporn.com. You've probably noticed our new podcast site at adultsitebroker.com. It has a more modern look with easier navigation and more information on our guests, including their social media links. For more, go to adultsitebrokertalk.com. And we've doubled our affiliate payouts on ASB Cash. Now, when you are first sellers or buyers to us, you're going to receive 20% of our broker commission on any and all sales that result from that referral for life. Check out ASBCash.com for more details and to sign up. Now, let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to offer a unique company with significant revenue and the potential for increased success. This business could be the right fit for someone looking to invest in a low-maintenance, high-reward company. It's a daily pay service designed to cater to performers who are already working on various platforms. In exchange for a percentage, they provide more convenient solutions, including daily, weekly, monthly, or on-request payouts. Advantages include a minimal time investment, rapid growth, scalability, a WhatsApp group for creators, and support for the new owner up to six months. Only $74,900. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is podcaster and erotica author, Ruin Willow. Hey, Ruin, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's exciting to have you. Now, Ruin is an erotic romance fiction author and a sexuality and erotica fiction podcaster at, I'm going to try to do this well, ooh, fuck yeah, podcast with Ruin Willow. How'd I do? Wonderful. Thank you. Okay, she's also an audiobook narrator, voiceover artist, editor for Wild, that's spelled W-Y-L-D-E, Erotic Cravings Publication on Medium, and a sex blogger and social media influencer. Pink Infinity Publishing is her publishing company that she created for publishing erotica, erotic audiobooks, and the podcast. Someday she may host other authors, but for now, she's just doing her own content. So, Ruin, why did you start writing erotica? Well, I'm one of those people that loved to write even as a child. Like, I was someone who would grab a notebook and I would start writing things. As a teenager, I wrote like oodles and oodles of poetry. And I wrote my first books when I was in my 20s. And then as time went on, I kind of put it aside for a while. And then I started to do nonfiction. And then I started to write romance. And I wrote 
YA romance and young adult romance, which was, you know, obviously teenagers. And I loved doing that, but I I just felt like I wanted to have sex involved because sex is a part of relationships. It's a part of real life. And so I was missing that piece. And so I decided I wanted to write erotica. Makes perfect sense. What are the different subgenres and heat levels in erotica? Well, there's many. And so many people who don't really understand how it works think they kind of lump all erotica into smut. And it's not that way. <laughs> hey, I love being in smut. That's how <laughs> smut is my business. Come on. I know, right? Smut is more, you know, like just the sex scene or the actual sex. And you go up to erotica. And then you'd go up to erotic romance. And beyond that, you would go to regular romance, which was they have different levels of heat within regular romance as well. But the difference is there's more story in erotica and even more story, more romance in erotic romance. So there's different levels of that. But everybody tends to kind of, people who don't understand, tend to lump everything as smut. And then within that, you have so many different genres. I mean, you've got your monster erotica, your alien erotica, your hot wife erotica, your just general, you know, male, female, you've got multiple partner, you've got dom sub. There's so many different areas that are subgenres, even of erotica. So there's a lot more layers to it than most people realize. So there's a lot of crossover with erotica writing and porn. Mm-hmm, there is because it's about sex, which is porn is sex, right? And some porn has more story. I mean, there are some pornos out there that have a fair amount of story or build up before the characters Amazing, are having it? sex. <laughs> yes. There's all different layers of porn as well. And everybody also lumps porn all into the same category as well. And it's that's not true either. <laughs> mm. uh, it's very true. And lately, porn for women has become a very yes. uh, big thing. Um, I write short stories for, oh, I'm trying to blank of their name now. Oh, Frolic Me is a porn for women. It was started, it started by a woman um, and it's created by her. So it's women run, women created, and it's meant to be erotic for women. And then what they do is they create, they're amazing. They're very sensual videos. And then they have erotic authors like me write stories to go along, maybe the backstory of the film or something to go along somehow with it. And I've written four stories for them throughout of uh, UK. Do you ever end up writing scripts for adult movies? I have not done that yet. No, I haven't written um, any scripts. I've only written like short stories or something to go along with a um, film, but not the actual script for the film. Hmm. Sounds like you'd be a natural. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it would be just not much of a switch to do. Yeah, definitely. Just need the storyboard. Why is erotica important? I think erotica is very important because, number one, it can help people relax and can help people to relieve stress. It can help people to reach climax. It can be a great foreplay tool for couples or for someone who wants to play and get some stress relief for themselves through self-play. And also, it's a really great tool to bring up an idea with your partner. If you don't want to directly look at your partner and be like, hey, do you want to try this particular act? You could select a, a book, an audio book or a piece of erotica, a book, and read it together. And then it, you can talk about it and kind of like talk about it where it's separate from you, not putting the other person on the spot. So it's a huge tool for intimacy as well. 
Do you find that what you do is used more by men, women, or couples? It's really interesting. And and what I find really interesting, it depends on the format. I have a different audience for my podcast, for my audiobooks, for my books. And so it's really very different. And I feel like more of the books tends to be more women, not necessarily. There are men who read erotica, but the men tend to like the podcast and the audiobooks over the written word. And the women like, not that they don't like the other, but that tends to be uh, overall probably the majority. Yeah, I think men are often, I mean, in the terms of porn, they're looking for things to wank to, right? And I think that audio erotica would certainly qualify. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're more, audit- I think men are more visual and more auditory and women tend to want to like read that story. They want that relationship. They want to, not that men don't, but overall, I think more women like to just have that story and all the feelings coming prior to the actual sex. It's not not necessarily 100%, but... No, I think it's, and I think it's more, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus type of deal. <laughs> right. <laughs> How about gay content? Do you do any of that? Yes, I have done lesbian stories, lesbian books. I haven't done men on men very much. I've more done bisexual or lesbian. Um, My Magic and Her Kisses is a lesbian book. And I have a few, I have another novella out there of woman on woman too. Okay. All right. What are the benefits of reading erotica and listening to erotic audiobooks? It's actually very different. I think it uses a different part of your brain. So like when you are reading something, you are imagining things in a different way than when you're listening to it and even a different way than when you're watching it. When you're watching it, you're given all the pieces. You know what all the characters look like. You know what color hair they have. But you can immerse yourself more, I think, in written erotica and audio erotica. And you can. it's different because, you know, when people are turned on different ways. Some people like to use their brain more. Some people are more auditory. So it's going to depend on what what your triggers are for arousal and nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's just a different way to enjoy and explore and relax and, and get aroused. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the phone sex and, you mm-hmm. know, the, the visual is this, is this, you know, hot blonde with big boobs. And in actuality, it's a, it's a, you know, 300 pound gal. You don't know, um, right? <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> it's true. In porn, you're going to know because you can actually see the person, but the others you don't. Unless they pretend, unless they post themselves online, you don't know what they look like. Yeah. Exactly. And if they post themselves online, how do you know that's the real picture? <laughs> well, you don't unless they're honest. I mean, I only post <laughs> pictures of myself. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. different. I know some people, I know some podcasters who don't do that. They post stock pictures. Right, right. Well, it's kind of like dating sites, you know, is the picture yeah. real? <laughs> exactly. And then the, then the descriptions, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's like uh, they say, uh, if they say normal, then they might be bigger. And if they say athletic, then they may be normal. And, you know, right. it's, it's kind of like you got to read. I, I was, I was single for a long time. You really got to read between the lines. <laughs> yeah. It's subjective and it is subjective also. Like one person's normal is another person's too thin or overweight. So, you know, it's very subjective. <laughs> it's all how you look at yourself. You're right. What types of subgenres do you write in erotica? 
Well, as I mentioned before, I do like to do some lesbian or woman on woman. Doesn't need to necessarily be lesbian, could be bisexual or, you know, fluid of some sort. I also do a heterosexual. I like to do a multiple partner. Threesomes tend to be really popular on my podcast. But that whenever I do a threesome erotica episode, that always seems to do well. And, you know, Dom Sub is always a really fun one. Reverse harem. And one of my other fun ones I really like to do is erotic rom-com. So give us an idea of what somebody's going to experience when they listen to your podcast. Oh, I have such a range. And part of that is because I have a wide interest base myself. And I think most people do. I don't think that people are niche down in what they like in sexuality. So I have a huge range. I have everything from all the things I just mentioned to cuckold, hot wife, I even have a Star Wars episode that was a request (laughs) by a fan, Um, (laughs) fantasy and sci-fi. And then I also have interviews where I interview people who are erotica authors or sexuality experts, doctors, therapists. I mean, so I kind of have this mix going on where Tuesdays have fallen into the erotica fiction category. And then my Friday episodes are the interviews. So you do two a week? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a lot of work. I know, I know, I know. And and I'm writing and I'm creating audiobooks at the same time. So yeah, I am yeah. I am definitely a workaholic and I, I'm kinda of, I call myself kind of hyper because I don't seem to stop. I just keep going and going and going. And I'm sort of impatient with myself. Why am I not done with this yet? Why am I not done with this audiobook yet? <laughs> yeah, you're one of those full time authors and hats off. It's it's hard work. I mean, I fashion myself to be somewhat of a writer. I write articles, but no, I mean, I'm not in the same league as authors like yourself and and some of the other people that I really admire, uh, like some of my blog authors who do just just amazing work. Uh, you know, Michael McGrady is one and uh, Katarina uh, Fairhurst, I believe is her name, is another one. And yeah, we've... Um, I've got some very, very talented people who've done work for me. And yeah, so no, hats off because it's really, really hard work. And I end up doing the editing and editing ain't easy either. (laughs) No, mm -mm. (laughs) I do not like editing. I do it, but I don't like that part. That's my least favorite part. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. It's, uh, It's a bit grueling. What are you working on now in terms of books and audiobooks? Well, right now I'm working on a series of Hot Wife audiobooks for the erotica author Lacey Cross. So they're all Hot Wife. And I have hired the man who does In My Hands audio. He does audios for Pornhub and OnlyFans. I think he does Pornhub. For sure he does OnlyFans. And he creates all these audios. He does literatica. So I've hired him to be the male characters in the books. And so we're going to do, we're going to do all five of her books in the Hot Wife, this Hot Wife series. And then I'm also about to start working on the narration for my book, Never Say Never Swing, which I've hired the two podcasters from 69 Whiskey Podcast and the amazing Ray Richmond, who is a new hot wife. She is in the top OnlyFans within just three months. She's 56 
and she is blowing it out of the water. Her and her boyfriend is 20 years younger than her and they're creating porn and she's skyrocketed to the top of OnlyFans. So she's going to be the female character and the other two are going to be the male characters. So it's really fun. It's a lot of work to do my own voice only in an audiobook. But when I'm taking three other characters and trying to mesh it in there, it's a ginormous amount of work, but it creates such an amazing story, you know? Well, it's it's kind of like music editing when the sound comes from different sources, which it usually does, and then they have to edit it all together. That's that's crazy hard. It is. And sometimes people are louder. Sometimes people are quieter. Sometimes they don't say the line right and you have to have them redo it because it doesn't mesh with the story. So it takes a lot longer. And so my next writing thing is going to be, I'm going to do the last installment of my erotic rom-com series, the Sex Challenge series. That's the next thing I'm going to work on writing. That's very cool. Very cool. Yeah, you know, I wasn't even familiar with Hot Wife and uh, Cuckold before I took on a listing I've got right now. And we're recording this August 31st as I sit here in Thailand. And uh, by the time this runs, I expect that to be sold. But Stay tuned. Anyway, this guy has some cuckold and hot wife resource type sites. And yeah, it was it's pretty fascinating because I didn't even know that I had heard of it, but I didn't really know what all it was until I kind of uh, dug in. And it's like, this is interesting. Yeah. And this one isn't cuckold at all. This is him orchestrating the situation for his wife. So he's like the director. He's more like a a dominant. So you can get both, you know, different types of things, but he's a total dominant. He's creating this, these scenarios for her. And so he's definitely not a submissive in this role in, in this series. Are you doing a lot of fetish content? Um, I do. I've done a lot of size erotica f- audiobooks for the author Amber Collins, which is size erotica is the growth, like the giantess. If you heard of that, the giantess um, is shrinking and growing of people and as they're having sex in different ways. So I've done quite a bit of narration for her and so many different things. And that's definitely a fetish, but it's actually a pretty popular fetish. There are entire websites devoted to this size erotica phenomenon, like uh, giantess city It's really interesting. Like the woman might grow to be like 300 feet tall or the man might shrink down and become a dildo. I mean, there's so many human dildo, (laughs) you know, there's just so many different areas it can go. But it's basically the growing and shrinking of humans and then there's sex involved in some way, shape or form. (laughs) Sounds like a movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's like sci-fi. It's like fantasy and sci-fi mixed in with erotica for sure. That's that's crazy. How about things like fandom? I have done some femdom stories. I'm a part of a group, the Femdom Coven, where we've done three anthologies. And so I've done three femdom stories in those three anthologies. And the organizer just said he's going to do another project. So he just reached out to all of us to write another story for January. So, yeah, I've done that as well. I've kind of like been all over the place, and but I'm good with that. You know, I'm not narrow in my sexuality. And I think most people are that way. They like multiple different things. Yeah, yeah. I'm learning a lot, actually, from my blog writers and my SEO manager. He comes up with with briefs every month, and then my blog writers write the blogs. And in editing them, I read them, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. You know, like Findom and, and things like that. And it's like, hmm, huh, people are into that, huh? Okay. 
Whatever. Oh, they are. Yes, I have someone who <laughs> I have someone who pays me a commission to make him uh, Findom stuff and the audios and cuckold, which he loves. So uh, it's really fun to do that type of content too, where it's very specialized and specific to a person's wants and desires. So are you, so are you doing custom work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll do that too. That's what I'm doing for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got that impression. How much of your work is custom work? Not very much. I'm always open to more, but I have done it here and there. Yeah, sure. What do you talk about in regards to sex and sexuality on your podcast? Oh, gosh, everything. I love to focus on (laughs) anything related to sexuality, especially female empowerment, female topics, even, you know, things for men and things just to have better sex. I mean, and I get people approaching me all the time to be on my podcast, doctors, authors, you know, people come to me almost weekly. I'm getting requests. Can I come on your podcast? Can I come on your podcast? And it's a very flattering thing to have these amazing people want to come talk with me, you know? so. There is no limit. I just I just like to tie it in somehow to sexuality. I'll do anything. I even have a man who is a submissive man and he writes books and he let, he's coming on my podcast. I've already had him on once. I'm having him on again in September. I'm going to interview him. Today, I just interviewed an erotica author. And tomorrow on the podcast, I'm having a, a gynecologist, a female doctor who focuses on female sexuality and sexu- having better sex. Just a wide range. And it's just the common theme is it's about sex or sexuality yeah we did a blog post on the top female directors and i'm just amazed how that's going viral oh i bet i bet yeah anything female related now in adult is really taking off i think a lot of it has to do with the empowerment of the creators now on OnlyFans and other type platforms because let's face it the creators now have the power. And I think it's very cool because, look, I know most of the guys that run the big companies and all they can do is shrug their shoulders and say, hey, we just have to accept it and work with it. So they're doing a lot of content trades and things like that now. And it seems to be working out for everyone. And it's kind of like when the pay sites were like, oh, God, the world's ending And a lot of them just pulled in their horns, went out of business, whatever, stopped trying. The smart ones used the tube sites to help promote their website. And they came out on top and, you know, many ended up purchasing them. But I think it's the same thing with the OnlyFans phenomenon. But uh, without the pandemic, OnlyFans would not be where it is today. I know know the majority owner and... uh, he bought in, I believe, not long before the pandemic. And ooh, talk about coming up huge. Yeah. Smart man, though. Leo's a very, very smart man. So what types of erotica do you do on the podcast? I really like to vary it. I like to do everything from male dominant to female dominant to multiple partner to just a couple, lesbian. I just, I like to create a wide range of things so people have choices. So I don't niche it down other than the fact that it's erotica and and about sexuality. So I don't niche it down because I just don't feel like that's that's not who I am. And it's not how my sexuality works. I don't think many people's sexuality is, is niche down either. Yeah. What type of guests are you still looking for for the podcast? 
Oh, gosh, I am open to anything like, you know, I just I'm I'm always amazed who comes to me. Like I just had the, the woman that's going on tomorrow. She's a gynecologist. Like I would have never reached out to a gynecologist. But our conversation was so great because women need to speak up and, and how things like women should never accept pain during sex. That's not healthy. That's not normal. That can be fixed. That can be treated. And then we got into this giant discussion about lube. And then like I would have never thought, hey, I'm going to contact a doctor and see if they'll come on my podcast to talk about lube. I would have never thought of that. You know, like, It's just so great. And I, I do love interviewing people. I really do. I have talked to so many different people and I just really enjoy it. And it goes quick when we talk. It's just, it's super fun. Kind of reminds me uh, when I was a kid and keep in mind, I'm, I'm almost 66. And we had this uh, yes, Eli was one of our neighbors and he used to be, live by the schoolyard and we used to play some uh, touch football together and everything. And we'd always ask Eli this question and I won't, I won't do it in the accent that he used to do it in <laughs> because it would be a little, it would sound somewhat prejudiced, but we'd always ask Eli, Eli, what do you, what, what do you want to do when you grow up? And he goes, I want to be a gynecologist. That's a cunt doctor. <laughs> Oh, God. I'll never forget that. And I, I mean, this goes back to when I was 10 years old, right? That's really uh, funny. I want to be a gynecologist. That's a cunt doctor. Oh, my God. Anyway, uh, moving right along. <laughs> You're going to be telling that. So how, know, right? important, <laughs> how important do you think it is for a person to be able to express their sexuality in the way they want? Oh, I think it's totally important. And I, I feel like our culture really shames people and, you know, makes them feel like they can't do things. They can't express their sexuality. So I think you're not living your full life if you're not able to express yourself in the way you want to. Like some people want to be really open. Other people don't. But they, they shouldn't feel shamed. And I, I, yeah, our culture is in America anyway, is so brutish. You know, mm. it's just it's just amazing, rough. isn't it? 2023. I know we all came from sex. We all came from fucking. So I don't know why. What, <laughs> you know, why do we, why are we so afraid to talk about it? Mm. Yeah, it's incredible. If you think it's bad there, imagine here. Oh, I'm sure there it is much worse. Oh, it's very, very, very repressed. And nothing good comes from that. No, no, you're absolutely right. And people always think of Thailand and they always think of the sex trade and being wild. And it certainly can be. I mean, I live in Pattaya, which is you know known as the, as the sex trade capital of the world. But that isn't the way that people were raised. Right. It's like a different segment, right, of community. No, you don't talk about sex. You don't think about sex. You know, that's the way the the people were raised and I know cause I'm married to a Thai woman and yet, you know, I mean, I, I know I see how she was raised and it was definitely repressive. You know, she comes from the provinces and you know, yeah, it was definitely very, very repressed. Why do you think erotica is not given the same privileges for advertising on Amazon and other platforms as other genres? And is that fair? I think it's totally unfair. I mean, they're totally willing to sell it. They want to sell it. In fact, they let everyone on there. They have their standards, of course, but they want to sell it and they'll sell it, but they will not let us advertise. However, no, yeah, you can't buy ads on Amazon if you're an erotica author. 
but this is crazy. You can buy ads if you're selling a book about a murderer or a serial killer or war, death, murder, torture. They can advertise. And we who write about the natural act of sex cannot advertise. It's asinine. However, I will say the erotica author that I just interviewed, I have a little bit of hope because he is on the council for Amazon ads. And he said they have in the works the potential for funneling advertisement of erotica to audience members that check the box saying, okay, yes, I'll take it. So he said it's not... (laughs) It's not fully like pushed through, but he said there's the beginnings of that and they're actually thinking about it. So to me, that is much better than it's been ever. So it's maybe progress. Well, that brings up a point. Do you think what you do, at least in a written sense, should be age restricted? Oh, definitely age restricted. And he said part of the reason why when you now when you when you're going to publish something, you have to check is this 18 plus content. And the reason they're doing that is because they're moving towards this way where they they're going to hopefully allow people to advertise. And I think it only makes sense. You can totally funnel things towards people who check I want to see erotic content or I don't. Base it on what they purchase. They have the ways to funnel this stuff and there's no reason why they can't do it. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's not like Bezos needs your money, but he certainly takes <laughs> money from everybody else. Oh, but they still want it. They still want us to make all this content and they want to sell it. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? They want to be the top. Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like Zuck, but Zuck's even worse. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. those guys they could be making so much money on adult. I think Elon gets it. And I think soon you're going to have a an OnlyFans type of model on you know Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it today. Well, that would be interesting because it seems like he's trying to cut all that that out. I haven't seen it yet. I've seen some shadow banning, but I'm not. I'm still seeing porn in my Twitter feed. I see porn too, but they but they're even like restricting me. Like if I post something like with the word sex in it, like from my podcast. If I post something, they'll, they'll give me this warning saying this needs to be, and it's only words. So they are restricting people. It's not happening to me. No, it's been happening to me for a long time, ever since he took over. Hmm. Interesting. Well, you never know what side of the bed Elon's going to get up on and uh, what crazy thought the man's going to have. He's <laughs> different. That's for He's sure. Different, exactly. Very different. <laughs> a nice way to put it, right? That's a real nice way to put it. In other words, he's a fucking loon. So (laughs) what topics do you plan to talk about coming up on your podcast? Well, let's see. I do have some people coming up. Um, I have the man, like I said, who who writes submissive male books. So he's coming up. And I have a couple of erotica authors coming up. Really interesting person that I have that reached out to me. She is a professional cuddler. Really? Yes. And this apparently is a profession and she makes a lot of money doing this. And a lot of people do. It's packaged as platonic, but they physically touch. And she will do things like rent a B&B for the weekend and they will spend the weekend together. And so it's kind of like escort, but there's no sex. It's platonic. 
and it's it's a growing thing. So her recent thing now is she's pairing with another female professional cuddler, and they're going to do duo cuddles. So people can hire the both of them to come cuddle. <laughs> and I'm sure you know what happens when they go behind a closed door. But right, right, right. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of lonely people in the world. Let's face it. There are, there are, and it's, they're providing touch. They're providing companionship. Sure, sure. Look, all kinds of, and in my mind, I don't know if you'd call that sex work, but all kinds of sex work is a okay. And there's a there's a market for it. There's a need for it. People want it. They call prostitution the world's oldest profession. God knows where I live. There's a lot of it. And to make it illegal to pass laws against it, which actually there are some laws that they're working on here to finally not only make prostitution decriminalized, they didn't say legal, but decriminalized, but also to recognize sex workers for everything that they recognize other professions for. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Well, they they legalize pot here. There's a cannabis store about every, literally every half block. I actually, get, the other day, saw two next door to each other. Oh, wow. Kind of like gas stations here. Like you have a gas station exactly. here and across the exactly. street, you have well, a gas station the, again. Yeah, the, <laughs> the ties never do anything halfway, oh, <laughs> Unfor- <gotcha>. unfortunately. <laughs> what are ways you celebrate your own sexuality in the public arena? Oh, definitely with stuff I write. I mean, everything I write isn't necessarily something that I want to do or my fantasy, but some of it is definitely in the podcast. And I like to post sexy pictures on social media as well. So those are ways that I like to do it. And I like to be, I'm very open. I like to talk about sexuality and my own sexuality. And I think it's just very helpful for other women to hear that and to see that there's, you know, you can talk about this stuff. It's okay. It's not taboo. Yeah, it shouldn't be taboo. It shouldn't be. No. I mean, it's it's not 1952. No. And we were given these organs for a reason. I always say that on my podcast. We weren't given taste buds to not taste food. No, we were given our sexual organs so that we could feel pleasure, not deny it. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with you. And the prudishness out there, if anything, it's getting worse I know it is. It's it's like it's like this tug of war. Sometimes it seems better in some ways, and other times it seems worse. Well, that's true. But if you look at how our industry, the the porn industry, is under attack from the far right and the religious forces, you wonder sometimes: Are that many people really in favor? of making porn illegal, making it impossible for adults to access porn, not talking about children. I think we all agree that that children should be protected and that should be their decision when they're over 18 years old, like everything else, like alcohol, like tobacco, like gambling, or gambling's usually 21. It probably should be 18. But do these politicians really think that the majority of the people want this. Right. 
And the other crazy thing is, this is not new. This has been around since the beginnings of time. You see hieroglyphics on cave walls that project people having sex. There are images of people having sex. Pornography and sexuality in the mainstream or in the in the community is not new. In the 1700s, there was tons of erotica. I mean, it's just crazy that people act like this is a new thing. It's not a new thing. It's been around for hundreds and thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about these age verification laws for porn? Well, I mean, it's not hard for them to just click a button. I mean, I understand they have it there and you have to do something, but yeah, they can just click it. So it's kind of a hard thing with kids. You don't want them having access to that stuff before their brain is mature. And really, your brain isn't mature till you're 25, you know. I'm not sure mine is at almost 66. So there you go. (laughs) I understand. (laughs) I'm a man. (laughs) Right. But what they're trying to do here, they're not making really any secret of it, is not only to make porn not available for kids, but they're trying to make porn not available for adults. Because if you're an adult, especially with all the data leaks out there, why in the world would you want to put your ID in a porn site? Right. It's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It really is. What have you learned over the years in creating sexy content and the podcast? I've really learned that shame should not be a part of sexuality and that there is really no bad fantasy There can be bad acts, there can be assault, but there's really no bad fantasies. And anything with consent is okay. And consent on both sides, full consent, not any coercion, not any like pressure, but we really need to accept that people are adults and they're making their own decisions. And if they consent to do something, they do. And we just need to accept that and not be pushing ourselves on them saying that's wrong or you can't do that. That's not right. Who are we to judge? Why, why are we judging? You, you make a very good point. Unfortunately, we've got our mommies and daddies in the houses of Congress who are trying to make our decisions for us. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's the problem. So I encourage everyone to get out there and vote for free speech, because when it comes right down to it, that's really what we're fighting for is free speech. I mean, obviously, the adult industry wants to be able to continue operating, and I'm in favor of every legal adult site. I'm not in favor of sites that do kitty porn. I'm not in favor of sites that do animal porn. I'm not in favor of other sites that do things that, well, I don't want to use the word obscene because, but they're you not, know. There's no consent there. Those, those particular people and beings cannot consent. Right. They can't give their consent. So, yeah, that's the difference. But other than that, there's no reason in the world why porn shouldn't exist and proper prosper and why we shouldn't be able to operate and do our thing. And I would imagine, and I'll ask you this, do you worry that you're going to get caught up in this whole age verification thing? Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't really know. I mean, I guess it's pretty unknown. I I can't imagine how it will go. Yeah. Well, they're burning books. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're burning books that have nothing wrong with them. It's, It's so bizarre, though. It's like there's a lot of books that have been around for a long time that actually have sex in them. 
and they're still being sold like they're no big deal. So it's very biased, I guess I would say. But as an author, what do you feel about the fact that they're cleansing, whitewashing some books and taking passages out that people consider, mainly religious people, consider controversial? Yeah, I think that's fucked up. That's not okay. Yeah, they're classics. Yes. If we have free speech, we can't be saying certain people, they can't have those opinions. We have to accept all opinions and we don't have to agree with them, but we can agree to disagree and just let them exist. You know, like it doesn't have to be squashed and pulled out like it never existed. I mean, some of these statues they took down in the South, I agree with, but it's like high schools with George Washington's name on it are being, the names are being changed because he had slaves. Well, duh, in those days they had slaves. But that's a part of our history. We can't ignore that. Why would we ignore that? That actually happened. I think that does a disservice to try and like cover it up and pretend like that didn't happen. It did happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, America in 2023, you gotta love it. (laughs) It's always changing. It is indeed. Well, Ruin, I'd like to thank you for being our guest today on Adult Slave Broker Talk, and I hope we'll get a chance to do this again real soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Thank you. My broker tip today is part one of what to do to make your site more valuable for when you decide to sell it later. First, make sure you're converting as much of your traffic as possible. Traffic's expensive, whether it's search engine traffic, review site traffic, or affiliate traffic. You paid a lot for it, so make sure that when someone lands on your site, you give them every opportunity possible to either spend money or do whatever it is you want your visitors to do. In the case of a pay site, make sure your billing options allow as many people as possible to buy. Have multiple ways to pay. In North America, most everyone has a credit card, but in other parts of the world, credit cards aren't used nearly as much. In Europe, for instance, credit card usage is low, so look for billing options that will match the areas where your traffic comes from. In Europe, ACH and debit cards are used a lot. In Africa and other developing nations, many people pay by mobile. Do your homework and find out how people pay in the regions you get most of your traffic. It will make you more money. The worst thing you can do is get a visitor, have them want to buy, but since you don't have their preferred way to pay, they can't. If you're looking for suggestions, feel free to get in touch with me via my website. Along with this is to improve your user experience. Make your site attractive and easy to navigate. People have more options than ever these days. I can't tell you how many sites I go to, even some that are owned by large companies, where the navigation isn't obvious to the user. You poke around for what seems like forever to do something that should be relatively easy. Keep it simple. Before you launch any changes to your site, ask your friends to go to the site and check it out. Unfortunately, designers and tech geeks don't think like us. You need real people to look at your site for you. The same kind of people who will be visiting your site. We'll talk about the subject more next week. And next week we'll be speaking with Jimmy Broadway of Severe Sex Films. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Ruin Willow. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.